Welcome. You're listening to the Sanctuary Podcast with Tully and Chivijan. Be sure to follow us on our social media channels. You can find the Sanctuary Jupiter on all major social media platforms. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. So we do this uh, <laughs> periodically. We do this um, where, and we typically do it when I'm finished with a sermon series. Uh, we'll spend a week discussing what I had preached, answering questions that people have submitted, that sort of thing. Uh, we didn't get to do that at the conclusion of my most recent series, Misled, because it was Christmas Eve, uh, and that was a special service. And so we had planned all along to do a sort of conversational recap of that series this morning. Uh, and the other part of that is I really didn't want to prepare a sermon uh, the week after Christmas and this is always a good substitute. Uh, I actually love this. This is, of all the things that I get the opportunity to do, speak, preach, write, those sorts of things, this format where mm-hmm. we're just talking and I'm answering questions is my favorite thing to do. I love it. Uh, I don't prepare for it. Um, I, I mean, in a sense, I've prepared for it because I prepared all the sermons and preached them. Uh, but I don't prepare for it. I just sort of go off the cuff. And uh, usually it turns out decent. Uh, I mean, we have some. It's good, all right. We have some good questions. Of course, it turns out. It turns out great. Uh, we have some good questions uh, that I wrote up myself and handed to Stacy mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that I could answer them properly. No, I. Uh, a lot of people. I'll just say this, uh, and I think Stacy will ask this in a few minutes, but. Uh, there was more feedback on this sermon series. It was only six weeks, I think. Six weeks, seven weeks, I can't remember. But um, there, were more, there was more feedback on this series, not just from you guys, but from people all around the world than almost any series I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because of uh, the subject matter. We were looking at passages in the Bible that have been typically read or understood one way. And as a result of being read and understood that way, have been misleading to people. Um, and so we, we tackled, I tackled some, some passages, and there was a lot of interaction, a lot of people mm-hmm. submitting their own questions. Uh, what about this passage? What about that passage? I mean, I had so many questions from so many people that if I wanted to, I could continue <laughs> the misled series, which is what Stacy wants me to do, for like the next we'll take few a months. Um, we had that much interaction. So a lot of the questions that you're going to hear are sort of condensed versions or summarized versions of things. That All of those heard. in favor of continuing misled. I mean, good, great. Three people, including Stacy. Well, I, I see you. I see your hand. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, it, was, it was fun. It was fun to prepare and fun to preach. But Well, can, we, can I ask you some questions? Sure. All right. Uh, and the last time we did a table talk, we reserved a few minutes at the end for questions from the audience. We so did. if we have time, we'll do that. So as you're listening, if you think of a question, a, uh, a, a sort of a, a cogent, rational, relevant question, okay, um, then we may be able to get to it. All right. Question number one. You open the series by saying that the only thing worse than being totally unfamiliar with what the Bible says is reading it wrongly. What do you mean? 
Oh, I don't remember saying that. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was in week <laughs> and you wrote one. The yeah, I opened the series by saying that. <laughs> right. Uh, and we actually say that a lot around here. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I actually opened by saying that my dad, who was a psychologist, used to say that the only thing worse than no therapy is bad therapy. Uh, as a psychologist, he was on the receiving end of people who had. Uh, gotten some pretty bad therapy and it screwed him up. And that same principle applies to the Bible. Mm -hmm. The Bible can be a very intimidating book, uh, a hard book to understand, a hard book to read. Uh, Besides the fact that our culture is not producing or even friendly to reading in general, um, and it's not producing a generation of diligent readers. That being said, the Bible as a book is not easy to understand. There are some really confusing parts and some very uh, difficult to understand places, and so it can be very intimidating. I meet lots of people who go to church on a regular basis who don't read the Bible much at all, and that's understandable because it's an intimidating book. Um, And there is, of course, danger in being completely unfamiliar with what the Bible says because that's the place where God speaks to us. We look for God to speak to us in a thousand different ways. Um, We try to read into dreams we have or conversations we have or things people say, and we wonder, is that God speaking or not? Um, And uh, the one place where we are absolutely certain that God has spoken is the Bible. So it's important to be somewhat familiar with it, uh, even if it's intimidating and you read a passage or you read verses that you don't completely understand. uh, There is a a peace and a consolation that happens just in the reading, even if you don't understand it, because in that moment you're communing with God. He's speaking to you even though you may not understand everything he's saying. Uh, so there, it is important to be somewhat familiar with the Bible, to read the Bible. But I've seen more damage done to people over the years uh, by people who have either read the Bible or been taught the Bible wrongly than I have people who have mm-hmm. never read it right. uh, or are completely unfamiliar with it. Um, I mean, the Bible is a story of God redeeming people like you and me, broken people like you and me. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that God made all things good. It also makes it clear in Genesis chapter 3 that we broke every good thing God made. Uh, And the rest of the Bible is God unveiling his promise to come and fix everything we broke. Uh, And that promise is fulfilled when we get to the New Testament. And uh, Jesus arrives, the Redeemer, the Promised One, who was going to rescue us from the mess that we made. And so ultimately the Bible is a book about God and what he's done. But we are so hardwired for earning so hardwired for to toward believing that uh we don't get anything good unless we work for it we have to work for it uh and therefore be deserving of it before it comes our way you've heard me say this many times that we are conditional people living in a conditional world with other conditional people, that's the way the world works. If you want something, you have to work for it. If you, uh, if you get something, it's because you've deserved it, whether good or bad. Um, but God doesn't operate that way. God operates unconditionally. 
Uh, and so oftentimes we go to the Bible with a conditional lens. We read the Bible through a conditional lens rather than an unconditional one. And as a result, we read a lot of passages that are meant to tell us about God and what he's done, and we think it's talking about us and what we need to do mm-hmm. uh, to get God's love or to get God's acceptance. And so uh, I'm very grateful for my upbringing. Uh, I grew up in a healthy home, a home where my mom and dad, I'm one of seven kids, and my mom and dad loved us well. Uh, They discipled us well. They taught us about God. I grew up going to churches and uh, Christian schools that taught the Bible, that believed the Bible, and I'm very grateful for all of that, but I learned a lot of bad stuff along the way, okay? Not from you, mom, not from you. Uh, but from the Christian schools that you put me in and the Sunday school classes you made me go to. Nevertheless, um, I'm getting a text from her right now, I guarantee it. (laughs) No, she's Uh, posting online. She's posting She is, yeah. She doesn't just text me privately. She posts on, like, in the comments (laughs) section. Like, I never said that. I never did that. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, she's getting old and forgetful. So, yes, you did. Uh, It's true. She would be the first to tell you that. I mean, she's almost 80. She's commenting again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, let me turn my phone off. Um, but uh, but I learned a lot of bad stuff. I mean, I, for the most part, grew up believing from people who were teaching me the Bible. I grew up believing that the focus of the Christian faith was the life of the Christian. Um, that it may have taken God's blood, sweat, and tears to get me in, but now it requires my blood, sweat, and tears to keep God happy with me. Uh, and so while, um, you know, at the beginning of my Christian life, the cross was central, everything God had done to reconcile me to himself, um, it slowly turned into a ladder. Now a ladder became the symbol of my faith. And um, I would evaluate, for the most part, the way I believed God thought about me or felt about me based on how I was doing. Uh, if I was having a good spiritual day, I believed God was happy with me. And if I was having a bad spiritual day where I just was sort of frustrated and doing all the wrong things, then I believed that God was, you know, displeased, unhappy, didn't like me, regretted that he even saved me, that sort of thing. Um, and so that's that's what I mean. It's It's extremely important to understand that the Bible is first and foremost a book revealing God and what he's done for us, not revealing uh, what we need to do for him, but what he's done for us. So, mm-hmm. Great answer. <laughs> it, it was all right. I'm a little foggy this morning, but it was, it'll pass. Um, okay, number two. Throughout the series, you gave personal illustrations of ways you were mistaught the Bible and how that affected your view of God and your expectations of yourself. Explain that a little more. Refer to answer one. Right. Uh, Well, I was going to say part of what you were really just getting at was um, when we look at the Bible, was a matter of focus. And it's like either we're focusing on God, it's about God, or it's about us. It's just a matter of like what we're looking at. And if it's about us being... um, self-sustaining or independent instead of God-dependent because our culture is not really, the world isn't, but specifically our American culture is not really a champion of being God-dependent, being dependent on anything except yourself. Like you said, like you need to do it. You got it. If anything's going to change, you're going to do it. 
and it's very independent. And it's not that horizontally we don't become independent when we become adult and we learn how to, you know, take care of ourselves and things like that. But when it comes to um, the things that the Bible is referring to and salvation specifically, how to save ourselves ultimately, is a God job, not a, a Stacy or a, a human job. Yeah. So just the focus of where the dependency is um, it can be so misleading if a religion or denomination is showing like it's it's all on you it's about you and you need to sustain yourself and you need to get yourself through this and you need to save yourself and understanding that that's not my job helps me not look at myself as a god of my own life and the bible does tell us about ourselves right in fact it's the it place where us. we go um to learn the most accurate description <laughs> of who we are um I mean, not only are we told that we are made in the image of God, which means that human beings are different than rocks and trees, as beautiful as nature is, it is only human beings that are stamped with the Imago Dei, the image of God. So in that sense, we are unique amongst all things God has created. Uh, we're special. Uh, we're, we're more special than dogs and cats, as much of an animal lover as you may be. Uh, God did not... God did not give animals or the beautiful things of nature his image, uh, although those things reflect him in some ways. There's a difference between those things reflecting the creatorship of God and the artistry of God uh, and human beings being made in the image of God. So in that sense, we're told that we are valuable. Uh, we come into this world with inherent worth and dignity, uh, we were designed for dignity because God uh, made us in his image. But it also tells us that we are severely broken, mm-hmm. um, that we are not what God originally intended for us to be. We will be one day, uh, but not yet, that we are broken people, that we are inherently Selfish, we think of ourselves uh, quicker than we think of other people. Uh, we are prideful. Uh, we are sort of, rather than being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, like Proverbs says, we're we're quick to speak, slow to listen. Uh, we we sort of uh, go through life uh, looking at other people and looking at ourselves and looking at this world through a very selfish lens. I mean, that's that's who we are. The Bible speaks very, very clearly about that. That's not popular to think about that, especially in our self-esteem culture. Um, but the Bible does tell us some hard truths about ourselves, some things that we don't like to hear about ourselves. So, for instance, when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, there is no one good but God. That rubs us the wrong way. I like to think of myself as a good person. When the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3 that there is none righteous, no, not one, that rubs me the wrong way. I like to think of myself as better than I may be. Um, So it does tell us hard things about ourselves, but in the middle of telling us hard things about ourselves, it tells us amazing things about God. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the reasons that I tend to be very transparent about my own life and my own story is because I can't think of a better way to show you the best parts of God without telling you some of the worst parts of myself. Um, That's 
that's that's where the amazing nature of grace becomes real when we see God's love and forgiveness and mercy and grace meeting us at our worst, meeting us in our messes, not on the other side of our messes. Um, And so, yes, the Bible does. I don't want anyone to misunderstand and think that the Bible doesn't tell me about me. Of course it tells me about me. It tells me that I need God. (laughs) That's what it tells me. And then it reveals the God uh, that I need. And the God that is revealed is infinitely more gracious than anything they may have told you in Sunday school, infinitely more forgiving, infinitely more loving than anything you may have heard. Um, I don't think our minds are capable in their current state of understanding the radicality of God's grace in all of its beauty. It's, it's impossible. We, like I said before, we are so hardwired toward earning mm-hmm. and merit mm-hmm. and deservedness uh, that it, the whole idea of grace is so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we may extend grace to one another horizontally, the grace that we extend is, is imperfect. Mm-hmm. It's not complete. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it comes with some strings attached. Mm-hmm. God's grace, on the other hand, is a no strings attached one-way kind of love. Mm-hmm. And that's unique in the sense that we only get that from him. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't get that no matter how much you may love your kids or your spouse or your friends or your parents or the people in your life. You don't love them as much as God loves you. You don't love them as well as God loves you. And so we don't have anything in our horizontal relationships that accurately reflect the fullness Mm -hmm. of God's love and grace to us, which makes it difficult to understand. Right. The word uh, manipulative kept coming to mind because we can use the Bible to be extremely manipulative, which is misleading. And we can use um, just even towards each other, like you said, in any primary relationships. um, We're not not talking about like professional, but personal relationships um, to be very manipulative when it comes to the things that the Bible says and um, which gives people a really false definition of who God is and how he loves us. And then we think that he's manipulative or that he can be manipulated, you know, in our prayers. Like, well, I mean, if I ask him the right way, I'll probably get the thing that I want or the, you know, the thing will turn out the way I hope. Um, I must have not prayed the right way. We really have this inability to not have some measure of manipulation within our thoughts about God or um, his love for us, because we, like you said a few sentences sentences ago, you said our brain in the state that's it, that it's in is incapable of thinking about God the way God really is, or loving the way God really loves, or understanding it fully, and that would be a part of I think one of the biggest misleading things when it when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the things of God that um, the church has done a really bad job of in explaining the Bible and leaving it there to not un- explain like our brains are not capable of this. In fact, it, it says the opposite. Like you can love God fully and you can love your wife fully and you can love, you can do these things fully and wholly and, and it's, that's not true. It's very misleading. I I, uh, I want to be careful with how I say what I'm about to say because I don't ever want to sound cynical, skeptical. You never sound either of those things. Thank you, honey. Uh, I don't want to sound, um, 
you know, overly critical. Uh, but I've been, I've been around a while. I mean, uh, I was born into this. Okay, I have been in church culture and Christian culture my entire life, um, except for the years that I went off the deep end from you know fifteen to twenty one and was completely disconnected from all things church or Christian. Uh, I've been surrounded by this my entire life, um, and when I tell you that the things that we say here are unique. Uh, I'm not saying that as, uh, as I'm, I'm not saying that in, uh, I mean, I probably am to some degree, but I'm, I'm not intending to say that in a prideful way, like we're better than everybody else, because we're not. Uh, in fact, I think we're probably more able to admit that we're not better than everybody <laughs> else because of the things that we believe about God and ourselves and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm telling you, I mean, I research every day, every day, okay? Seven days a week, I am watching clips, reading things, seeing things, hearing things that are said and spoken from popular Christian Bible teachers, uh, people that are on the receiving end of that kind of teaching, giving their own opinions about things, about God, about life, about humanity, about the Bible, that sort of thing. Um, and this is, ex- this is very unique, okay? And, and a lot of people say, but because what you're saying is so unique that you can't hear this kind of thing if you just walk into any church... Once people hear about it, this place is going to explode. And I always try to temper that enthusiasm by saying, no, it won't. Um, it won't. I mean, the, the gospel of grace in its fullness has never been popular, ever. It wasn't popular in Jesus' day. Yeah, they killed him for it. It wasn't popular in Paul's day. They killed him for it. It wasn't popular in Martin Luther's day. I mean, you get... You know, you, you get sort of um, upswings where there is a sort of a revival of some sort, a reformation of some sort, where people inside the church rediscover the gospel or where people outside the church hear the gospel for the first time. Um, but for the most part, okay, uh, a consistent delivery of the gospel of grace has never been popular. We so desperately want some kind of credit, skin in the game. We want to hear what we can do in order to regain control of our lives, in order to live a life that ensures God will stay happy with us. We want checklists, to-do lists. We want to be told, um, you know, about ourselves. Oftentimes, we want to be told that we're better than we are, that we're more accomplished than we are, that we're more capable than we are. And so, to hear things about ourselves that make us incapable of earning God's love and affection, and then hearing about the radicality of God's grace in loving us and accepting us minus our merit, despite our messiness and sin, is just not popular. It will never be popular. I mean, if history proves anything to us in this regard. It proves that it's never been popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, 
it's unique, and um, and I feel more freedom. I've I've been in oh, let's see one two three four five six churches uh, in my life in terms of professionally um, leading in some capacity, pastoring in some capacity, uh, preaching, and this place without question uh, is both the smallest. Mm-hmm. And the most freeing place I have ever been, mm-hmm. um, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, my life looks a lot different than it did ten years ago, and yet I was having dinner with my friend Michael last night and talking about the the amount of freedom that I feel uh, in this place and with this particular family, and I wouldn't trade that to become a mega church ever. Ever, I wouldn't care if, if if there was some guarantee that by preaching a sort of soft, do more, try harder, get better, you're a good person, God loves you, no matter uh, regardless of your. If, if I, if, I mean, if there was, if there was a temptation uh, to just sort of give people what they want, mm-hmm. and by doing so. Mm-hmm the church would explode and we would have $10 million in the bank. I might do it for a month, okay? Just a month. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Just kidding. I'm, um, I'm just kidding. I would do it for six months. Uh, <laughs> um, but honestly, I, I could not do it and still feel the freedom that I feel um, and to live in the freedom that God has given me. Uh, this is a... This is a beautiful sanctuary, mm-hmm. a place of peace, because regardless of the outcomes or the effects, mm-hmm. um, we're not doing anything here to try to make the church grow, right. which is, that in itself is unique, right. first Which of would all. be manipulative. <laughs> and way. not difficult to do, to be honest with you. And there right. are times when right. it's tempting. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we could program this church to death. Mm-hmm. We could have something for everybody all the time, every day of the week. Um, we intentionally don't do that because we want the message to be central. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want, um, you know, we just we don't we don't want all of the unnecessary trimmings. Mm-hmm. Um, and because so, we tr- we trust what the message is supposed to. And what right. it, what it's supposed to do, and there's no, not what we're supposed to do, right? And there's no guarantee that preaching the message of it is finished is going to make your church grow and explode. <laughs> uh, if that stuff was important to me, as it used to be, if that stuff was important to me, this church would look a lot different than it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to the top of the mountain, and the view's not that great. And I have fallen down the other side of the mountain, <laughs> and uh, broken bones and all, I have come alive in a much freer way at the bottom and that's i wouldn't trade that for the world yeah you landed in a little village of misfits yes <laughs> yes and i love it I, I love it it's the only and i, I mean I, I jokingly say this but i'm not joking right when i say that i'm not i'm, I'm not really a church guy you know, I'm, I'm just not. In fact, I don't even, I, I get uncomfortable, you know this, and other some other people do too. I, I get uncomfortable sometimes when people call me Pastor Tullian. Not because I don't love people or care about people or like to help people. I do. That's why I do what I do. Um, but that just, that title comes with some uh, expectations mm-hmm. and some assumptions mm-hmm. that I 
don't even think are healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just one of you. I just happen to be gifted by God to sort of know things and articulate things. And so I'm on the platform speaking. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make me any more important or any different than any of you guys um, at all. Uh, and so we're, we're all in this I together. think that's one of the, the big things that was so misleading to me from the very first moment I was ever in church or could remember church at all, which was being born into the buckle of the Bible belt in tiny town, Texas, in in a Baptist church. And there really always was an implied hierarchy of Christians. There was like status of Christians and there were levels to your Christianity and the ground was never level, which was very misleading. And if you were a pastor or a church leader or a staff member, you were higher was, than everybody right. else. Right. There, there were rungs on the ladder, and there were certain rungs certain people could never get to. And the Bible was taught to me and explained to me in that way. And so I just believed that and just kind of took my place in, in the role that, you know, this is how high my ceiling is, and I can never go higher than that as a Christian because of my family's history or, you know, my lineage or myself or whatever I, you know, because I'm a female, because whatever reasons. And it was this high and that's as far as I could go. And I think, um, years before I met Tullian, when my mom introduced me to his preaching and I started listening to him and everybody he would point to different people he would point to all of a sudden I was like, wait, the ground is level. Like there aren't, you know, hierarchy, there's not a hierarchy in Christianity that, um, like, I'm always going to be a third-class Christian. Like, like they're, the ground's really level. Like, we're all here. We may have different roles, like you just said, in within the church walls or um, in ministry somehow. I mean, none of us can lead worship like Trey. But it, it's, it's not that he's better, you're better. It's We have different roles. We have different talents. But that has nothing to do with our... Um, blood-bought Christianity and salvation. No, and I mean, you know, Paul in Ephesians makes it clear that we are one body made up of many parts, Mm -hmm. um, and no part is any more important than any other part. Um, I have a particular part to play here Mm -hmm. at the sanctuary, and so does everybody else. And while your part may look different than mine or mine may look different than yours, it doesn't mean that one part is more important than the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I... um, I've said this, and I mean it, and I don't, I, 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 sometimes I'm misunderstood when I say it, but I don't back down because I mean it. Um, if this place didn't exist, I, I have a hard time believing I would go to church. And it's not because I don't believe in God. It's not because I don't believe the gospel. Uh, I, I believe those things to the core of my being. Um, it's, just that, it's just that the gospel seems so absent Mm-hmm. from church culture um, that I wouldn't feel like I fit. I mean, personally, I don't feel like I fit. Um, I mean, you guys are the only Christians I hang out with, honestly. Um, I get invited to, like, pastor gatherings on a regular basis. I never go. Uh, and it has nothing nothing against those guys at all. I just, I've never felt comfortable in a room of pastors. I always feel like the odd man out, like the black sheep of the family. Um <laughs> The things that they love are just things I'm not really interested in. And the things that I'm interested in, they don't even know about. Uh, they've never even heard of. Um, so um, so I, I just, you know, I, God has established this place uh, as much for me mm-hmm. and for us mm-hmm. 
as he has for you guys. Mm-hmm. We needed a place to land. Mm-hmm. Um, and as reluctant as I was, I mean, we both were to some degree, but I was very reluctant um, to move to Jupiter and start the sanctuary. Uh, God knew what he was doing. He knew that we needed a home, a people, a place. Uh, and he's, he's given that to us here and he's given that to you. And, uh, I don't think there's a day that I wake up where I'm not grateful for this life and for you guys, uh, for this place and the fact that we get to do what we get to do. Um, I'm incredibly grateful. I also, on a weekly basis, find myself questioning whether or not I should even be doing this. Okay, <laughs> that the struggle is real. Right. Okay, uh, that is no joke. And if you think about it, pray for me. Um, you know, I mean, I chalk it up to a whole bunch of things, but spiritual warfare is definitely one of those things. But I mean, there are. We sat at breakfast last after last Christmas Eve. I mean, Christmas Eve service was awesome. It was one. It was amazing. I loved it. Wall to wall people, and it was celebratory and sweet, and it, it was all of the. Things things. Um, and Stacy and I went to breakfast afterwards before I left for Miami to, to, for the game. And I just, I don't remember exactly what I said to you, but I was just like, I, I struggle sometimes. I mean, it was just this high of the Christmas Eve service and no more than 45 minutes afterwards, I was already going, why am I doing this? Like what, what, what am I even supposed to be doing this? Um, so the, the struggle is real, but, mm-hmm. uh, but God, God knows what he's doing in grounding me and us mm-hmm. in this place at this time, and we're, we're here to stay. <laughs> we're here for the long haul. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Don't let my struggle cause you any fear that I'm going to wake up one day and leave town. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Um, but uh, <laughs> what? She said you bet. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's very sweet. Thank you. We're all you. on the struggle bus. You're just in a different seat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> really, yeah. So that's, that's kind of accurate. Um, I wanted to go back to, um, in part four of your series, you said, when it comes to God, people fall into one of three categories, delusion, despair, or deliverance. Yes. What can you What can you unpack about that a little further? I said that. Um, yeah. Yep. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. Yep, you but did. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't either. But you can. Um, the fact that I can say I don't know what the hell I was talking about from this platform <laughs> makes us a unique place. Okay. <laughs> if hearing that offends you, I apologize. I, I don't mean to offend anybody. That's just the way I talk. Maybe I shouldn't, but that is the way I talk. Uh, and again, it's the way 99.9% of other... Tullian when yeah, you think right. of him. Um, um, there are certain curse words that were not allowed in my home growing up, but then there were like the um, the low-grade cuss words, you yeah, know, like damn, hell, that right. my mom would say when she would get mad, you know, and for whatever no, reason, she, I grew up thinking those were okay. There's um, one more that she says, and because she believes there's a biblical reason. Yeah, she, she can grew up in King James version, so where they referred to donkeys as asses, and so she loved, loved anytime she could. Right, mom? Anytime she could, and her language has gotten a little bit more colorful as she's gotten older. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I um, uh, delusion, yeah. Despair, despair, or deliverance. So yeah, when it comes to God, I think the conversations I have with people, most people fall into one of those three categories. 
delusion, which is I'm doing what God requires of me to do. I'm mm-hmm. pulling it off. So you're reading um, the Bible and, wrong in that sense. Right. I'm, 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 I'm doing what God requires me to do. I'm pulling it off. Mm-hmm. I'm getting it done. And that makes me better than those who aren't getting it done. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's delusion. And mm-hmm. there is a self-righteousness that is inextricably t- attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the despair people uh, are at least more honest. They're more mm-hmm. self-aware. But they don't land in the right place. They hear about what God requires and they honestly admit that they're not pulling it off, Mm -hmm. that they're not getting it done. And then they conclude that because they're not getting it done, God must not want to have anything to do with them, Mm -hmm. so they exit stage left. They, They leave in despair. They conclude that Christianity must not be for me because Christianity seems to be for good people who have it all together. Um, so they end up in despair. The, the people who fall under the category of deliverance are the people who go, um, I hear what God requires. Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and all of your mind, and all of your soul, and all of your strength. And they admit, I'm not doing this. I haven't done this for one second of my life. I'm not pulling it off. I came into this world imperfect, and I've been imperfect in all of my days that I've been alive. But while I can't do it, Jesus came and did it for me, therefore I'm free. Mm -hmm. So you've got the delusion people who think they're pulling it off, and they think they're better than others because Mm -hmm. they are. Um, they, and, and that's not just behaviorally. There are mm-hmm. people who believe that their theology is better, right. that they their really doctrine is the cleaner. Law. They just um, stop at the law. Yeah, they, they, they don't see God's law as being as demanding as it is. Mm-hmm. And when we lower the bar mm-hmm. so that be perfect doesn't really mean be perfect. It just means try hard. God will grade you according to your effort. When we lower the bar of the law to that degree, uh, then it stands to reason that there are a lot of delusional people who think that they're pulling it off. They've been misled. Yes, they've been misled to believe that they are pulling it off. Uh, and then there are people who hear the, the weightiness of God's law. Mm-hmm. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And they go, well, if, that's who Christ, if Christianity is for perfect people, mm-hmm. I know myself well enough to know that I'm not perfect. Um, therefore, Christianity must not be for me. And like I said, they walk away in despair. But the the people who fall into the category of deliverance, they do, um, it's, they, they understand correctly what God requires. Mm-hmm. They see their own brokenness and messiness and sinfulness in the light of God's requirements and rightly conclude that they're not pulling it off. Um, but then they look away from themselves mm-hmm. and they look to Jesus who came pulled it off for us, who did not come to abolish the law, as he says in the Sermon on the Mount. He came to fulfill it. The law needed to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, I could say, I could nuance it and say that um, in one sense, um, God's acceptance of us is conditioned on goodness. Mm -hmm. It's just not our goodness. goodness It's Jesus's goodness. Mm -hmm the goodness of another. Uh, Jesus's life, death, 
and resurrection checked the box that needed to be checked in order for us to be in with God forever. Um, and so that's why, um, you know, the people who fall under the deliverance category are free mm-hmm. because they're no longer evaluating themselves and how God feels about them based on their performance, mm-hmm. but rather based on Jesus's performance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ushers in a freedom uh, that is otherworldly. Uh, in reality, I mean, you're just, you go, wow, life feels light when you don't feel like you have to earn love and earn acceptance and work for uh, significance, Uh, Mm -hmm. but even more existentially, Mm -hmm. not, I mean, yes, we can say we don't have to earn our salvation, but that gets mm-hmm. boring after. We're like, of course we don't have to earn our salvation, but the way many of us live mm-hmm. as it is as if God's disposition toward us is mm-hmm. based on our performance. Mm-hmm. And to be free from that, I mean, it is finished means we no longer have to burden ourselves with having to earn God's love and favor. Um, and that's, that's very freeing. And that doesn't just free me this way mm-hmm. when it comes to God. It frees me this way, right. like we've talked about before, because um, now... I can look at the relationships that I have uh, and love the people that are in my life without needing them to love me back. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it when they love me back. I feel alive when they love me back, but I don't need them to love me back in order for me to continue on uh, mm-hmm. because all of the love and all of the acceptance and all of the approval that I need at my core, I already have from God. Mm-hmm. So that now frees me to love the people in my life without needing them to love me back. And when they fail to love me back, which they do and they will, and when I fail to love them, which I do and I will, it's not like we're paralyzed by that. When we are paralyzed by a lack of love from someone in our lives, it means that we have not fully grasped just how loved we are by God. Right. When we, don't, when we feel like when a relationship is severed for whatever reason, a primary relationship, mm-hmm. you go through a divorce or a, a sort of a, a break in your relationship with your children or whatever, um, when those things happen and they do, uh, I mean, th- there are people who feel like they cannot go on. Mm-hmm. They are paralyzed mm-hmm. by that. Uh, I felt that way mm-hmm. when I lost some primary relationships in my life. I felt paralyzed. Uh, and all it did was reveal the fact that I wasn't believing in my heart uh, just how much God's love and acceptance of me uh, grounds me and gives me the fuel I need to continue on. I mean, um, we all experience rejection from other people at some level, and rejection is hard. We none, it's not enjoyable. We don't like it. We all experience it in various ways and on various levels probably every week. Um, but it it doesn't need to be debilitating mm-hmm. if we know that God will never reject us, right. that all of the acceptance we need we already have from God. Um, so it doesn't just free me, the, falling under the category of deliverance, doesn't just free me in the sense that I don't have to earn God's mm-hmm. love and favor. It also frees me from not having to earn your love and favor. Mm-hmm. And it also frees me to love and give favor even if I don't get it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a game changer. When you originally said that in part four, um, you know, and the categories are, I think, are really true to life um, because I've 
experienced in myself, within myself and, and with people around me. But I also think that even um, just as a Christian and as a human, we um, are so fickle and so silly at times. But we, we bounce between all three of these all the time in some way. There are certain instances or um, events in life that would cause me to be delusional about, you know, to be self-righteous, to be really, to think I'm pulling it off or to think this is my job to do in this moment or this instance. And then I can be despairing, you know, even though I know I have the hope of Jesus that I, that I have, um, I can be despairing and I could be, I can forget because we're so fickle and so forgetful and, and I can, you know, hopefully be reminded by someone or by God himself through his spirit that I'm, that I live in deliverance. Like I do, I live there, but I, I, you know, I I, drift. Yeah. I drift. We wander away from home. Right. And I think, so I think it would be, um, when I was talking to someone about this, um, just last week, a young woman who's in high school and we were talking about this very thing and just that because she was just trying to hold herself to deliverance, like to, like, I really need to stay in, in that mindset, which is true. Like, but, but life doesn't just, um, and we as humans just, we can't keep ourselves there all the time. Life and the way we are and our feelings, our emotions, the way we think, um, people around us, our environment, our culture, it, it causes us, you know, to experience despair or delusion. And so to give somebody the freedom to go, you, you most likely will go back over here and you will feel this and you will think that and you will depend on yourself and you won't depend on God and you will think that you're better than you are and more capable than you are, but you're not. And you will think that, that he's not here and that he's not real and that he doesn't love you. You will despair like that. There will be moments like that, but you can take heart. Like you, you, you really are delivered, even if we don't feel it or think it, and we're delusional or despairing. And so I think it's good yeah, to just our, know we could be all three in, in one day. Right. Our, like, our deliverance itself, falling into that category, is not dependent on whether or not right. we always believe it. Right. It's dependent on God's promise mm-hmm. and not our performance. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that we, can, we can make staying in the deliverance category legalistic mm-hmm. too. Right. That can become a new law to right. us. And the fact of the matter is, like Stacy said, we have to take uh, the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of this world into account and go, it's okay. When yeah. you sort of wander over and you experience moments of delusion and you feel proud that you're not as bad as this person or you're better than that person, that, that happens. It happens to people who believe this stuff it mm-hmm. happens i mean we are uh you know we are self-righteous to the core and mm-hmm. have been since the garden of eden right. um and we also experience like stacy said moments where we are just despairing of life itself mm-hmm. we don't think god is real or if he is he doesn't like us very yeah, much he hasn't he's not heard my prayers us, he's right. not listening to he's me he's not treating me he's very well me. or maybe he's he has heard me. my prayers and he doesn't did, he like just me. doesn't love me yeah um right. But even the ability to admit that we wander from place to place right. demonstrates that we are delivered. Right. Because delivered right. people, they Otherwise see that. They would, right. And they're free to admit that stuff mm-hmm. um, about themselves. Yeah. So we have time for one more. Okay. Last question. What was your favorite part of this series? Oh. 
Your um, favorite. My favorite part, part was probably nothing that I said on a Sunday morning. I think my mm-hmm. favorite part was the interaction with people during the week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were so many submissions mm-hmm. of Bible passages mm-hmm. that were sent to me, email, text, um, social media messages, mm-hmm. comments, um, under social media posts, uh, phone messages. I mean, so mm-hmm. there were so many submissions mm-hmm. to preach on certain passages. And even though I didn't preach on all those passages, I did my best, even though I couldn't respond to all of them, I did my best to respond to a lot of them. And it forced me to wrestle with the passages they were submitting. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is a... And I, I read some to you, and I'm like, okay, how... I'm, uh, this is a difficult one... The passage, let's say a particular passage that was submitted to me, um, this is a difficult one to reconcile with what I believe. But I know it must, and it would force me to wrestle with it uh, and to look at it differently. Um, One was that uh, I think I shared it on a Sunday morning. A woman who, I don't know, I don't know where she lives, but she said, I'm listening to the things you're saying, and I'm resonating with so much of what you're saying especially as it pertains to freedom. Mm -hmm. But how do I reconcile that with that passage in Revelation that talks about us not being, we either should be hot or cold, but if we're lukewarm, God will spit us out of his mouth. Okay, how do we reconcile real freedom with lukewarmness? Mm -hmm. And I had to think about that. Like, okay, that's a great question, you know, Uh, because the way I always understood that passage, the way it had been taught to me, was that you're either on fire for God or you're not. But if you're kind of half-assing it, God's going to spit you out of his mouth. And yet the Bible says we're half-assing it all the time. Right. That's, so I, I, that's I just, the definition right. of us. <laughs> and so I, I was kind of like, okay, I don't, how do I reconcile that until as I thought and read and thought and read, it dawned on me that he's not, the lukewarmness he's talking about there is not some behavioral thing. Mm -hmm. It's more of a belief thing than anything. And it's believing that there's something we can do or something we must become Mm -hmm. in order to ensure that God loves us. In other words, it's banking on our effort to justify ourselves before God. That's what lukewarmness is. Um, So what does it mean to be hot and passionate for God? Uh, as strange as that may sound. Um, what does that mean? Uh, it's not I'm dotting all of my I's and crossing all of my T's all the time and I'm saying no to every temptation. I'm never giving in and I'm just, you know, I'm reading the Bible all the time. I'm praying all the time. I'm nice to people all the time and I'm, I'm constantly thinking about everything God has done for me and I'm living my life passionately following him in that regard. That's not what it means. What it means to be uh passionate for God is to believe what he has told us about himself. Believe in and the that, one whom he sent. <laughs> yeah, believe in the one whom he sent. I've shared that with you too, where, you know, um, Jesus's disciples ask him after witnessing a handful of miracles, they ask him, what is it, teacher, show us what it means or what it looks like to be doing the works of God, to be doing the will of God. Uh, show us. We, we're so 
enraptured by who you are and what we're witnessing. We want to live full tilt for you. So tell us what to do. We want to be passionate. And Jesus simply said, believe in the one whom he sent. That's the most counterintuitive, passionate thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Believe. And as and much the as belief, we do, we, we also unbelieve. And the belief that is required <laughs> is a, also a gift. Mm-hmm. So we can't even take credit for believing. That's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Ephesians 2 tells us. For by grace we have been saved through faith. And this itself, this faith itself, is a gift from God. So the faith required to believe that God is who he says he is, Mm -hmm. is itself a gift from God. Mm -hmm. Um, And that truth alone, I think, is what prevents lukewarmness. It's Mm -hmm. not, well, I used to smoke cigarettes and now I stopped. Or I used to to say hell uh, from the platform and now I stopped. Or Mm -hmm. we we, we have been so conditioned to think that Christianity is all about behavior modification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All about it. and uh, and in the process, that is like a satanic delusion to make us think that it's all about behavior mm-hmm. modification. Mm-hmm. And in the process of micromanaging our lives so that our behavior becomes more impressive to God, we're completely leaving mm-hmm. out the beauty of what the Christian faith is, which, which has is nothing Christ to do with and in- him crucified. Right. <laughs> End of story. Right. For you. nothing to do with belief in Jesus. No. <laughs> right. So... Okay, well, we're uh, we're out of time. We're out of time. We don't even have time to ask for questions from the audience. Well, everybody's hungry anyway, so. Yeah, okay. I mean, we could stay another five minutes, but half the people in the room are thinking to themselves, oh, God, no. And, yeah. and there's right. like three people that are thinking, oh, we'd like to stay longer. Those are the sick ones. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, we love you guys. I speak for both Stacy and myself both our in-person family and our online family. As I've reflected on this past year, um, I don't really make New Year's resolutions because I've never kept them. Um, So I figure, why even try? Um, But I'm here. I made it. Mm -hmm. I arrived at the end of another year. Mm Mm-hmm. And I haven't royally screwed anything up this year. Uh, and, and that's a win. That makes me go, God, you are faithful. I have not been faithful this year. And not in everything I'm required to be faithful in. I've been faithful in some things, unfaithful in other things. But I have, you have remained steadfast and faithful every moment of every day of 2023. And that is the only reason why I am alive today. Um, <laughs> I had I read a quote that Russell Brand put on his, uh, I think it was Twitter this morning. Maybe it was Instagram. I can't remember. Um, but he's quoting some guy named Charlie Makazev. I've never heard this guy. But he, this guy wrote a book called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. You know that book? Okay. I've never heard of it. Is it good? It's on TV? It's on Apple okay. TV. Okay. So anyway, apparently, you know, on this TV show, uh, there is this quote, and I love the fact that Russell Brand, who I mm-hmm. love and admire, by the way, he's an honest dude. I mean, I don't listen to all of his political stuff because uh, I don't really care about those things, but he's in recovery, and he's very honest, mm-hmm. and I love the way he even talks about Christianity. Um, 
But he said this, the greatest, this is a quote, the greatest illusion, said the mole, is that life should be perfect. Mm. And I love that. What a way to go into 2024. 2023 wasn't perfect. 2024 won't be perfect. Uh, You succeeded and failed in various ways in 2023, and you'll succeed and fail in various ways in 2024. And it's not about your successes or your failures. It's about God's faithfulness day in and day out, moment by moment. Um, And that, you know, taking that into not just this year, but every year Mm -hmm. fills my heart with a lot of of gratitude. I agree. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast. If you've enjoyed this message, would you consider giving to the work God is doing through the sanctuary? You can visit our website, thesanctuaryjupiter.com slash give for more information on ways to give. That's thesanctuaryjupiter.com slash give. Thanks for listening to the Sanctuary Podcast.